With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Support for the Husker CuzCast comes from Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code BIGHEADS. Welcome to the Husker Cuscast Sports Show. Justin here along with Derek. It's Christmas week, so Merry Christmas to all of you listening to the show right now. There are a lot of Husker podcasts out there, so we truly appreciate you listening to us. Tyler is out this week, so Derek and I will be talking about some of the early bowl games and the college football playoffs that will begin on Saturday. But first, let's give a recruiting update. A couple of things have happened since our last podcast. First, as expected, Xavier Betts, the four-star wide receiver out of Bellevue West, signed. Uh, that was on Thursday. Uh, Derek, how excited are you for this group of wide receivers coming in? Well, how can you not be excited? You know, every, every year, especially at the end of the year, especially at the end of a bad year, we sit here and say, we're not going to buy into the hype next year. And then we go pick out these four-star wide receivers. And the, I mean, you got like Omar Manning. We talked about him last week, six foot four. You got Xavier Betts, six foot two. We're finally getting some big body receivers in here. How, how can you not be excited for these guys? And getting Xavier Betts, you know, I mean, it was expected we'd sign him in the end anyway, but nobody expected to sign him until February because no one thought his grades were going to be high enough to that the coaches were going to let him sign yet. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think it was a huge deal that he signed already, and I think the staff put a lot of weight into and trust into him. Uh, it does sound like from everything I've read that he is doing really well with his grades, and he's gotten them up rather fast. Uh, he also admits to kind of screwing around for the first couple of years in high school, which, let's face it, who, who of us haven't done who that? Who hasn't, yeah, exactly. So, uh, best of luck to the kid. I hope he gets his grades up. Uh, I know he probably won't be an early. He's not going to be an early enrollee either which way. Right. Uh, but, but with his size, you, you hope maybe he could become a, a factor. But, you know, we, we have so many wide receivers that we want to become factors at this point. With last year's class, this year's class, we're already going to have J.D. Spielman and Wondell Robinson, you know, are going to be starting. Uh, beyond that, I mean, you don't, you don't think Cade Warner is going to go away necessarily yeah, as long as he's healthy. Uh, I, I see Jamie Nance maybe being able to finally take a step forward. I think Javon McQuitty probably transfers out. Yeah. Uh, but then you bring in Omar Manning and Xavier Betts. Uh, a couple of these other guys that uh, Nixon from Baylor there, or uh, Waco there. Yep. I, I, I kind of wonder if maybe he doesn't translate better as a running back, considering that's what he played in high school. I don't know that we're going to, and we could use a little more depth there as well. Yeah. So, uh, but but if he can come out and play wide receiver and kind of do 
the Wondell Robinson type of situation where you can line him up anywhere. He's going to be exciting. Uh, it, it's tough right now not to be starting to buy into some of these wide receivers. I, uh, as long as our offensive line can block for our damn quarterback, I think we're going to be solid. Well, we will see. Uh, another little recruiting tidbit. Uh, Junior Ajo, the JUCO defensive end from New Mexico Military Institute, he has decommitted from Nebraska this past week. It appears that the staff moved on from him, much like they did with Jamoy Hodge. He was also a JUCO linebacker. He was out of Independence Community College. Derek, so with uh, the staff, you know, they, they get a commitment from a guy, and then the staff moves on. What are the pros and cons of moving on from guys after they commit? Well, you know, uh, the obvious con is, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt recruiting. And there's a lot of people are going to say that. My answer is probably not because I think a lot of colleges do this anymore. Recruiting has become such a cutthroat business anymore that, you know, people don't honor commitments, whether it be the students or the coaches. I mean, coaches are coming in left and right trying to steal your recruits from you. and. I, th- I know that's always kind of happened before, but it, it, it's getting really cutthroat even more and more now, especially with the transfer portal and all, all the other stuff going on. I, you know, he was our uh, junior Aho was our lowest rated recruit. Uh, it, it's right now speculation that the staff moved on from him. I believe they probably did, and I hate to be this guy that sounds like this, but if they moved on from him, he's probably a good one to move on from. Uh, the Jamoy Hodge, that one surprised me a little bit because he was a little higher rated. But if they have more faith in these other guys that they picked up, I could see where they're coming from. And they, I think they wanted to leave a couple spots open, Justin. And, you know, we got 24 commits, and all of them are signed except for Luke Gifford. Or, I'm sorry, Isaiah, Isaac Gifford. Is it Isaac or Isaiah? Isaac. Isaac Gifford. Okay. Sorry. I apologize to Mr. Gifford there. Uh, been so used to saying his brother's name, I Oh, not used to saying his name We'll yet, call him Luke about 90 times. I, I, I'm absolutely positive of it. Um, and, again, that's he's not going to sign till fall anyway because he was blue shirt. He was a blue shirt prospect. So, I, you know, the pros to it, if you can get a better athlete in here, absolutely move on from the lower, lower guy and get somebody in here that's easier to develop. Yeah. Make your life easier as a coach. Did you see where Jamoy Hodge signed? Uh, I did, and I forgot. Was it TCU? TCU, yeah. I who, who just added another, I think, linebacker into the transfer portal. They've got a lot of tra- people in the transfer portal this year. Really? Yeah. That I thought that was interesting. Y- you know, my take on this is, you know, I understand that a lot of schools do it, but it's something that I still, I still don't like. I, I just don't like it. If, uh, you know, if you want to commit to a player and offer them, you know, honor it if they commit to you. You know, it's I think it's a two-way street. You know, I, I don't like that cutthroat side of things. You know, looking at it from a parent's perspective, I'd be pretty uh, pissed off if somebody did that to my child. You know, especially as close to signing day as it is. So that's the part that I don't like. You know, and Jamoy Hodge, I think there was plenty of time for him to establish to where he was going to go. Uh, you know, I, th- I think that's okay. At the final week, it, it's I, I just think I'm not cool with that, really. You know, it's not really a final week, though. I mean, they have another two months. You're right. You're right. But you know what? It, it's it's but that here, signing day. 
here's the other thing. It's not like he was committed to Nebraska for two years. The guy had been committed to Nebraska for approximately two weeks. Uh, and that's another factor I factor into this. Like, if the guy's been committed to you for two years and all of a sudden you do this to him, that's pretty shitty. But a guy that just barely committed and then you walk away from him, is it shitty? Maybe. Uh, but at this point... You know, Justin, you bring it up all the time. You're paying Scott. You're paying Scott Frost five million dollars a year. He needs to win. He needs to win now. Sure. Well, he's got to get the best players to do that. And if it if it takes a little cutthroat recruiting, then I guess that's what it takes. No, I, I get that, and, and that's fine. Uh, you know, I think they need to be more a little bit more particular on the way that they hand out offers. You know, you just can't offer out to everybody in the phone book. You know, uh, we, we talked about that on the podcast. How we're the top. We're in the top 10, over 400 offers a year, you know, under Scott Frost, always in the top 10. Maybe they, they're not really sure who they're offering, you know, and if it's a guy that they're offering, they accept that. I, I don't know. But remember, we had John Sweetland on, I think, last year talking about this. And not all offers are created equal either. Like Just because they offer them doesn't mean it's a legit offer to come commit right away. Well, yeah, but I mean... The guy took him up on it. You asked the girl to the dance, and she says yes. And then it's like, well, I got Susie Q over here, and she's a lot yeah, prettier it, than you. But I'm if not, my cousin says yes because she's my backup plan, I'm still going to go with the girl, other, the prettier girl that's not related to me to go to the dance. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> no, I mean, but you know what I'm saying, right? Uh, it's It just doesn't what? seem right, but... Like I said, we're old guys, and it doesn't seem right now. Uh, but again, it's part of the evolving world of recruiting that's going to keep changing. And the more, then the easier they make it for for uh, transfers, the more you're going to see it with with cutthroat recruiting. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, it, you know, and, and it's just all part of it. Now, it maybe it sucks, I guess. But and, and looking at it from a parent standpoint, I can understand where it'd be frustrating. Sure. Uh, looking at it from a coach's standpoint, I'm going, I got to do what's best for me because I got to feed my family too. Sure. I get that. All right. Well, we'll be talking a little bit more about recruiting next week because Tyler should be back with us after this long vacation that he's had. And I know that he just loves recruiting. So I'm sure he's he has some thoughts on everything that's been going on. But in the meantime, uh, let's start uh, – let's talk about some of these early bowl games. Uh, let's focus on the games – that are from now until December 30th. Uh, what games are you looking forward to over the next week, Derek? Oh, absolutely. One of my top games has got to be USC against Iowa. You know, the FPI has a set a 50.6 chance for USC to win it. I mean, you, you want to talk about 50-50 game. That's pretty close right there. Uh, Vegas has Iowa, I believe, favored at minus two last I seen. So, man, it's just a, it's basically a pick em game. Uh, you got USC who uh, Clay Helton's guy. He's got something to prove, guys. Like USC just took another chance on him, and I don't know why. I can't figure that out. I don't know if it was because they picked up a new athletic director and he didn't want to come in and fire this guy right off the bat, or if it's just a simple fact of maybe they do have faith in this guy. But if they have, if they're going to have faith in him, he's got something. To, he's going to have to prove something. Uh. At the end of the day, they have the. I, to me, I think they have the way better quarterback. And Keaton Slovis passed for thirty two hundred forty two yards, 
28 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and Nate Stanley, he's your average quarterback. I mean, he's got 2,738 yards with 14 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Uh, you know, and neither one of them have a great running back. Neither one of them have – I think neither one of them have a running back over 600 yards. Uh, but this should be a fun game. I, it's it's in Cal- Southern California at the Holiday Bowl. Uh I, I think it would be a fun game. I really do. And i got to tell you, I'll be rooting for USC harder than I've ever rooted for USC. Really? Absolutely. F Iowa. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'm with you. And I hope their kicker breaks his leg. <laughs> would you blow him a kiss if he did? Yes, I would. <laughs> you know, Iowa's defense, God, they're, they're stout. They are uh, ranked 12 in total D, 11 pass defense, and 24 rushing defense. Both these teams finish strong down the stretch, but the the part that I'm mildly interested in, actually a little bit interested in, is you know Hayden Fry died this past week, and in honor of Hayden Fry, I was they're going to take the logos off the helmets. So I think you're going to see a lot of probably footage of the old Hayden Fry era. You know, back when we were kids. You know, I know you're. <laughs> You're rolling your eyes, giving me the thumbs down there. But, you know, that's old-style college football, you know, when we were kids, man. It was interesting. Iowa was never interesting, ever. Yeah, I I guess so. But, my God, man, the dude died. Pay some (laughs) respect, man. Hey, rest in peace. Doesn't mean I have to root for your team. No, you're right. No, but I I think this is going to be a fun game. If you had to bet this one, how would you bet it? Oh, Boy, I tell you, I think I'd probably take USC. I think USC has got a better offense than what Nebraska had. Nebraska managed to score 24 points on Iowa. So I think USC will be able to score more than we did. And I just don't think Iowa's got enough of an offense to score more than 21 21 to 24 points. Yeah. I mean, this game is – I'm probably with you on that one, taking USC just – but I don't know – I don't know if USC has seen a defense like Iowa this year. Have they? I mean, that defense is going to be stout. Yeah. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The game I'm looking forward to over the next week is number 17 Memphis against number 10 Penn State. This is going to be in the Cotton Bowl. You know, this Memphis team is very interesting. Their only loss was uh, a two-point loss to Temple. That was in Game 6 this year. They're coming off back-to-back wins against uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati's still ranked number 21. Memphis won the AAC championship. Penn State, they didn't really look that impressive down the road. Uh, you know, They had losses to Ohio State, Minnesota. They struggled against Indiana, and they looked uninterested in their final game against Ruggers. Somehow, Penn well, State is seven. To be fair, who's not uninterested in playing Rutgers? Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, but what puzzles me, man, is Penn State is still seven point favorites. I think maybe six and a half at some books, seven points. I think Memphis. I love Memphis in this game. I think oh. they can win outright. You and I both, my friend. Really? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know. Yeah, I looked at the FPI on this one, too, and it was 71.5% chance of Penn State pulling out the victory in this game. And you're right, seven-point favorites. Uh, 
let me, let me tell you what the difference is. This is going to be an offense versus defense type of game. Like, I mean, Penn State's got a decent defense, yep. but Memphis has a phenomenal offense, and they run such a balanced offense where they're a top-10 offense total, but they're not top-10 in either passing or rushing. They're just, you know, they got about top-15 in both to give them a top-10 top ten total defense. They score a lot of points. Uh Penn State has a great defense against the run. I, I was a little surprised to see this when I looked it up. Uh, Penn State's like number 24 in total defense. And so I went and looked. I was like, okay, well, where are they at in rushing defense? It's like, oh, they're fifth in rushing defense. It's like, well, if they're 24th in total defense and they're fifth in rushing defense, their pass defense must be bad. Yeah. That turns out they kind of are. They're 77th in, uh, in the country in pass defense. And, uh, I don't know if that bodes well for you playing against a team like Minnesota or Memphis, who can who can throw the ball on a dime anytime they want. Uh, they have fast guys. I don't know if Penn State's gonna be able to keep up with them. I, 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 if I was to predict this game, I'm picking Memphis to win. Yeah, outright, outright, absolutely. I, it, it's strange. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to this game. I think it's gonna be. I think it's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. What gives me pause. Maybe slightly, is that uh, Memphis? They weren't putting up those forty and fifty spots uh, like they had been when they played Cincinnati. Cincinnati has a pretty good defense, and in back-to-back games, you know, they hovered around. But, 30 but even points. against them, they scored thirty-four and twenty-eight sure, points. Sure. I mean, uh, here's my thing. Let me ask you this question honestly, and I, obviously, this is all speculation. This is all between you and I. But who would you put up between Memphis and? Minnesota, who you think would win that game? I'd probably put Memphis in there. I probably would too. And if it, knowing that that Minnesota beat Penn State, I just don't see a scenario where Memphis don't beat them. Yeah, I, I think Memphis maybe, has a lot more to play for. Considering don't I? that those two aren't going to play each other, so I'll never know the outcome. But at the end of the day, it just. It, I don't know. I, I really, truly love Memphis in that game. Don't you think Memphis I, I know is, where you're coming from. Maybe it's not as easy as I think it will be, but... Don't you think Memphis is playing for more than what Penn Absolutely. State? Absolutely. I don't, which bowl is this one again? Cotton Bowl. Okay. The I think, it's, a, I think it's an 11 a.m. kickoff also. Uh, I think. I'll have to, uh, so that's one of the New Year's Six Bowls. I mean, that's a, it's a big bowl, I guess. Yeah. 11 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, anyway, uh, what other game are you looking forward to? Uh, this, one, this one I think kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit, at least with me it did until I was looking at him. And uh, Notre Dame versus Iowa State. Now, this game is intriguing to me just because I think Iowa State is a is a very good team right now. Uh, Notre Dame, I think they're probably disappointed. They're playing in their this lowly bowl with Iowa State. Yep. They're a ten and two team that probably felt they deserved a little more respect than what they're getting. Um, I, I think Brock Purdy is ever been as good as Ian Book when it comes to quarterbacks. I don't know that he's better, but I think he's every bit as good. Uh, Notre Dame's probably got the better defense overall. But here, here's a stat that I found inter- that I found in- interesting to me. Uh, Notre Dame has 26 takeaways to rank sixth in the country, but Iowa State only has 14 
uh, turnovers on offense, ranking 27th in the country. So they don't give it away a lot. Uh, th- this could very well turn into if if Notre Dame can't get turnovers, I don't know that they can beat Iowa State. Really? Okay. I I see it differently than you. Uh, first off, I'm going to completely agree. I think uh, Notre Dame completely got screwed in getting Iowa State as an opponent. This is called the Camping World Bowl. That's right. The Camping World the Bowl. The Camping World Bowl. I wrote it down. Bowl. I just didn't read it. Yeah. And, you know, Iowa State, that's a team that really struggled in the final five games. Uh, they lost three of their final five they weren't really competitive. I mean, they had a 10-point win against Kansas also during that stretch. They did beat Texas, but outside of that, you know, they lost to Kansas State, lost to Oklahoma, but they played them close, and lost to Oklahoma State. I think uh, Notre Dame, you know, they're they're on a winning streak here, and they've been winning uh, pretty decisive, you know, in, in their wins. Uh, what's the line on this game? Did you did you see that? What is it? Uh, Notre Dame's favored by four. Four? Okay. The, the FPI has them at a 67.7% chance of winning. Uh, I, I could be wrong. And those are some good points about Iowa State. I just, again, I think this is one of those games where Iowa State's got more to play for. Like, they've got more to prove than Notre Dame right now. Notre Dame is going to come in here with that Auburn-UCF attitude, like, yeah, we're better than these guys. We don't have to try. Yeah, maybe. But I, I think Notre Dame, I think they have a lot more momentum than Ohio than Iowa State. If it had Iowa State generated a little bit more momentum at the end of the year, I would agree with you. But they, I don't think they have any momentum. I think they just want the season to be over with. I would. Well, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you this, too. I think, I think when it comes down to it, and pr- this is probably a little unfair on what they've accomplished so far, but I think at the end of the day, I think Iowa State might have the better coach. That's fair. I'm not a big Brian Kelly fan, though. Who is? <laughs> no, nope, I don't think there's even Notre Dame fans that are Brian Kelly no, fans. Is there? Well, you know what? They're just like any a- other any fans. Notre Dame fans. Let us know, please. <laughs> All right, hey, for uh, a, one more game that I'm looking forward to is uh, Cal versus Illinois. Uh, this is in the Red Box Bowl. The only reason that I'm interested in this is it's Lovey Smith in his first bowl game. I want to see what he does. He had a remarkable year this year. You know, he beat Wisconsin, uh, you know, beat Purdue. I mean, he he, he put together a 6-6 six and six team. A lot of people had them as the uh, Big Ten West cellar dwellers, and they're bowling. They're bowling. Uh, but, you know, they're – facing a Cal team that got their quarterback and Chase Garbers back. And he's a pretty darn good quarterback. They were like 4-0 with him to start off the year. He gets hurt against Arizona State. They lose that game. And then he comes back. But they've won their last two games now that he's been back. Illinois is going to have their hands full in this game. Cal's got a pretty good defense also. Uh, I But I think this will be... Mildly, this will be entertaining just from the aspect of I just want to see what Levy Smith can do with a full month to prepare against an opponent. 
I looked at it a little differently than you did, I guess. You know how I like to look at stats, and uh, I think stats tell a lot of stories. Not always the full story, not always the correct story. Uh, but when you look at season-ending stats or, or going into a bowl game stats, you've got a whole season of stats collected to figure out where you're at. And it amazed me how close the stats were between these two teams. Uh, Illinois scores seven points more than Cal. That's one of the more uh, outrageous stats where, where Illinois really has them beat pretty bad. Uh, points allowed. Uh, Illinois scores 25 and Cal score uh, allows 22. I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you that Cal only uh, only scores 20 per game. So it's a seven-point difference there. But it's only a three-point difference on their defense on the on the points allowed. Uh, total yards that they average, Illinois gets 319 yards per game to Cal's 323. So you'll get a four-yard difference mm-hmm. in their offenses. Uh, defensively, isn't quite as close, but, I mean, Illinois is giving up 409 yards to Cal's 385. So you're only looking at a, you know, what, 15, 25-yard difference there. So I went to some little little more obscure stats. I went to kind of the red zone chances. And lo and behold, they're both tied at 67th in red zone chances on offense, scoring 83.3% of their times getting in the red zone. Wow. They, they both have 30 chances in there. And they've both scored 25 out of those 30 chances. Uh, the only difference really is Illinois has gone 22 touchdowns to three field goals, and Cal's gone 20 touchdowns to five field goals. So Illinois has got the, the, the slight advantage in the touchdowns there. And in the red zones on defense, Illinois was ranked 50th to Cal's 56th. Like, there's not much separation there either, by like 1% difference. Uh, so I was really, really, really surprised at how close these two teams were in a lot of stats. Uh, and, and when you tell me that, that tells me it should be a really good game. And we know that Illinois is one of the hardest hitting defenses out there. And I, I think they can do This could be a very low scoring game. Yeah, it could be. It's not going to be your typical Pac-12 offense because Cal doesn't have that. But like you said, they have a good defense. Uh, it, it should be a close game, and it should be uh, it should be entertaining. It should be a lot of good defense in this game, I think. So to your point about it should be a low-scoring game, the over-under on this game is 43, uh, which is actually a little bit lower than what I thought it would be. But, uh, yeah, that's... That's a, that's a tough one. I don't know if I'd go... That would be tough for me to take the under on it, but... But I but I struggle to take the over with that with these offenses either. I, that's, that's, a good, that's a good over under. I don't know. I'd probably leave that alone. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's uh, get uh, to two more games here, and these are the playoff games. Uh, number four Oklahoma versus number one uh, LSU. LSU's thirteen and a half point favorites right now. Derek, what do you think about this game? I, I don't have much to say about it. Uh, LSU is just phenomenal right now. They. This, I'll tell you this. There might be a lot of points scored in this game. My biggest concern is Oklahoma's got three guys suspended, and one of them is their top defender, a linebacker that's their leading tackler. I, mean, I forget his name. They're missing a wide receiver that's been not their best wide receiver, but a, but a good wide receiver and one of their top running backs. Uh, I 
Oklahoma offensively, I won't worry about the two guys suspended offensively because I think they've probably got a lot of guys loaded up behind them anyway. Uh, but defensively, they struggle already anyway. And I think when you lose one of your best defenders, I think it's Ronnie Perkins, I believe is his name. And when you lose that guy, I, I you wonder what it does to the whole core of that defense. Yeah. So I don't think they had much of a shot to beat LSU with Joe Burrow to begin with. And to lose three of your top three guys of that caliber certainly doesn't help. Do you see any way that Oklahoma can even make this game interesting? Uh, you know, is that fair? Yeah, sure, sure. LSU's defense is not your your grandpa's SEC defense. They give up points. I mean, you know, like it, it could turn into an Alabama game where they give up forty three points. But they scored 46, so it didn't matter. Yeah. It could turn into a shootout. Don't count Jalen Hurts out. Like, that kid's good. And there's a reason he left Alabama to go play at Oklahoma because he was not, he was too good to be sitting on a bench somewhere. Well, he's faced LSU before also. So, I mean, this is. True. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he knows what he's uh, going to be facing there. So, there is that aspect where he's, you know, he's got a little bit of familiar, familiarity with uh, that team. But I just think Oklahoma, they're just going to be outgunned in this in every facet of the game, ultimately. Uh, I almost think that, uh, you know, he, uh, Lincoln Riley is a great coach. But you know what? Ed Orgeron, man, I think Ed Orgeron might have an edge. I, 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 can't, I can't call you one of them to a good coach yet. I just still can't. I don't know why. I mean... Help. Ed Orgeron, you can't even understand what he's saying. I, there's, he, he must have he must have the best assistant coaches in the world because I can't imagine he's doing a lot of string pulling here. Yeah. Uh, my, Mike Mike Riley Jr. Lincoln, uh, I look, I, I get it. He's made the playoff, I think, two years in a row now. Yeah, and I, but you know what? His recruiting classes are slipping. Like I, like I told you last week, they're they're tied 17th in rivals with Nebraska right now for recruiting rankings, and eventually these transfers for quarterback are not going to work out every time. Like right. you're not going to pull – like you've pulled a Baker Mayfield, a Kyler Murray, and now a Jalen Hurts. Like eventually that luck runs out. And I don't know – until he figures out how to run a defense of any kind, I can't call him a great coach yet. Well, I think he, they are moving in the right direction as far as uh, I think they're moving goes. in the right direction. But I also think he inherited a very good team from Stoops, and a lot of those players are still there. They didn't get a lot of transfers because they had faith in Riley too. I, I just if his recruiting drop rankings continue to drop, I wonder how long he's going to be considered this massively great coach. Well, yeah, well. We'll see uh, in the future for that. But as far as this game goes, I think LSU, I think they win in a landslide. I don't know if, you know, I'm not even sure Oklahoma can hang within three touchdowns of this game, right, in this game. Well, and, and that's the other thing. Just one last thing on this. Like, yeah, he looks really good playing in the Big 12, but that Big 12 is just not good right now. Would they have, like, two ranked teams by the end of the year? Just Oklahoma and Baylor, right? Nobody yeah. else was ranked, were they? Yeah. And, I mean, you have Texas, but, again, they were, what, 6-6 six and six this year? 
maybe seven five. I don't know. I mean, they. I mean, it's just not. It's not the conference that we grew to love over the years. I mean, Kansas State's just not very good anymore. Hell, the team that surprised me the most in the Big Twelve was probably Kansas. That was only because they won what three games. <laughs> Whatever they won, but you know they, I mean, they made it interesting. So I mean they're dominating yeah. probably one of the weaker conferences out there. So you give them credit for that, I guess. But again, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. All right. Well, let's talk about the Clemson Ohio State game. Clemson's two and a half point favorites here. Uh, what do you think about this one here? I love this matchup. I, I I actually really hate the fact that this is a semifinal matchup. Uh, I think I think both these teams are coming in with an attitude. The last time they played each other, Ohio State got destroyed in 2016, 31 to nothing. Now, I don't know how many of these players were on this team and how many of them remember that game, but there's going to be that revenge factor. Uh, Clemson, you know, they've been disrespected all year, and, and Dabo Sweeney has got them convinced of it. So they're going to come out firing on all cylinders. Uh, this is going to be a good game. This is... Uh, this could be the beginning of Ryan Day's I'm a great coach. He could become an elite coach with a win here. Yeah. Or start to become an elite coach with a win here. You know. And his I, first year coaching. And that's amazing. You know, I get that the, the schedules the, the schedules weren't equal. You know, Clemson obviously did not play as many good teams as Ohio State. Because, you know, the ACC just wasn't that good. But the stat matchup between these two teams, it's damn near identical. Just straight down the board. I mean, both teams score a lot of points. Really good Either defenses. Either one gives up points. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- this is going to be the bowl game of all bowl games in, in, this whole, in the whole thing. I, I think this game will be better than the national championship. It very well could be. It very well could be. These two might be the and I, two best I'll teams. I'll also say that I think the winner of this game is your national champion. I think these are the two best teams in the country right now. Yeah, I, I think they're both more. I think they're more complete than LSU. LSU they have a great offense, but absolutely, they're defensively, their defense has struggled. And yeah, I, and and if they were to face one of these two teams with that high, that explosive of an offense and a good defense to maybe slow down your defense or your offense man that, that could be it could be in bad shape uh, but we'll talk about that national championship game next week whatever opponent with uh, when Tyler gets back but in, in this game two and a half point favorites uh, is what Clemson now one of the things that we love to do on this show is you know we like to bet a nickel on uh, some of these games what is very interesting to me in this game against the spread Clemson is ten and three against the spread. Ohio State is nine and four against the spread. When there's a line out there, these two teams usually dominate that line. And this one, Clemson, they're minus two and a half. What would if you were to bet it? What would you do? Oh man, I don't know. This is a tough one. Uh, can Can I tell you though? It's a little surprising that for being so disrespected, it's a little surprised that Clemson's favored. Yeah, yeah. Like that seems a little surprising to me. Uh, God, I don't. My heart tells me I would bet Ohio State because I, I do think they're a little more tested. I think they've proven a little more than Clemson. But 
good God, Clemson won a national championship last year. Haven't lost a game since. They struggled against one team that I think they were probably looking past. And Mac Brown kind of smacked him in the wiener and said, bad boys. <laughs> You're right. You know, I at the end of the day, I, I really don't know who you bet in this game. If you put a gun to my head, I'd probably go Ohio State. But honestly, I'd probably stay away from this game because I have no clue which way this one's going to go. Yeah, I, I'm i basically with you. If I was forced to bet, I would probably just pick Clemson just because they've been there before. They've won it. Uh, Clemson's owned them in the past. Uh, Ryan Day, first year. You know, Dabo Sweeney's a pretty damn good coach. You know, he, you don't win national championships like that for not being a good coach. You give him this much time to prepare for that Ohio State. I I think there's all, a coach's edge. Points. There's a coach's all, edge there. Uh, all great points. I think Trevor Lawrence, all in all, I think he's a better quarterback than Justin Ooh, Fields. Well, that's a that's a debate that could be had. It's, I, but I think I think he is ultimately. I don't, I don't know, man. That Justin Fields. They're, they're both great guys. I mean, I'm not gonna shit on either guy. What was it like 48 touchdowns to three interceptions this year? Oh, is yeah, and it, it's absurd what Justin Fields has done. Yeah, and he and didn't play in the second like half more years to for play. most of the year. <laughs> I'm so I'm sorry, Big Ten. We're screwed for a while because Justin Fields is here for a while too. Yeah, he is. Uh, I, I don't know. It's you could definitely debate both. I, I could, I could debate where Trevor Lawrence is probably a better quarterback. He had a quote unquote sophomore slump this year where he threw, I think, seven or eight interceptions. But hell, he threw thirty five, forty touchdowns as well. I yeah. mean, it's not like he had a horrible year. Most most teams would go, I'll take that ratio all day long. Yeah. I mean, God. Yeah, this is going to be a fun game. I'm so glad that this is the night game and not the LSU Oklahoma game. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think I still think the committee got it wrong. I think they should have left Ohio State one and let LSU Clemson battle it out and let uh, Ohio State and Oklahoma battle it out. Yeah, but at the at the end of the day, I, I'm not in the committee, so I have no voice on that. Yeah, but. I, I think they, I still think they got it wrong. Unfortunately, I can't change it. And you know, all I can say is that Ohio State Clemson game it, it's going to be so fun to watch. And I don't care. I don't know what you what everybody has going on, but this is one of those games that you need to take time to watch it. Sure. You know, I tell you what though, barring any upset, like a strange ass upset, where if Oklahoma were to beat LSU. Whoever wins between Clemson and Ohio State, it's going to be a phenomenal championship game. It really is. Oh yeah, it really is. Absolutely. And you know, I, I don't. I don't mean to try and take away from the championship game. I just don't know if anything is going to be more entertaining with this. And I could be wrong. Hell, maybe Clemson will come out and beat them thirty-eight to seven this time instead. Maybe I mean maybe Ohio State just barely finds a way to get on the board. I just yeah. I can't see it happening. I'm starting to lean in towards. I, I think Ryan Day's better for Ohio State than Urban Meyer ever was. Seems like it. The three games that he coached last year, they damn sure dominated. I, absolutely. And then Urban Meyer came back in. And they ended up getting destroyed in a game. Yeah. You know, the year before that, they got destroyed in a game. The year before that, they got destroyed in the playoff. 
Uh, and, and that hasn't happened. Like they haven't, not only have they not lost a game, but they haven't had a team come within what fourteen points of them. I think Penn State came within oh, Penn State, eleven. You're right, Penn State. I think. Yeah. Then I mean, my word. And they got punished for it. Ohio State got punished for only winning by eleven points to the number nine team in the country. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing, but. Yeah, we're going to have uh, some good stuff to talk about this weekend and on the podcast next week. Uh, Absolutely. Well, let's take a quick break to hear from another great podcast on the Big Heads Media Network. Calling all sports fans. Are you looking for an alternate source for sports news, scores, takes, and updates? We'll look no further on Franchise Tag Sports Podcast, hosted by me, Eric Salas. With the help of frequent guests, we'll give you all the latest and greatest on sports that's right. I'm talking NFL, the occasional NBA and MLB, and yes, a lot more NFL. I've always loved watching the NFL, and there's no better way to talk sports than flipping on a microphone and giving my opinions on what goes on around the league. Tune in every week for brand new episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at Franchise Tag Pod and on Instagram at Franchise Tag Sports. It's the Franchise Tag Sports Podcast. We got the sports, you just got to press play. All right, it's time for last call. It's just me and you here. Uh, last call, no topics are off limits. Last call to you, Derek. All right. Well, I, I went back and forth on which which last call I should use. I had two of them. I, I'm I'm going to stick with the uh, I'm a shame ESPN here. Uh, so I, I don't know how many people sat here tonight and watched the UCF uh, Marshall game, which coming into the fourth quarter. I mean, there was a there was a pretty more pretty big margin, but Marshall looked like they could kind of make it look like a game, and ESPN was so concerned about getting the NFL Monday Night Countdown on that they had to switch this game over to ESPN two, which was despicable. Don't don't do that. Put the damn countdown on ESPN two. Everybody's got it. It's not like there's anybody out there that only has ESPN. Like, come on, ESPN, get your shit together. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, that that's a bowl game that's occurring during the daytime. A lot of people at work, I imagine a lot of people recording that game. I think it's inconsiderate to move a game when you, you know that people are probably going to record that to watch it later. And what, at what point did they do it? Early in the fourth quarter they moved it? Early in the fourth quarter, yeah. That's just nuts. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be pissed. As a fan, to come home to my DVR, it's like, oh, well, I'm watching, you know, ESPN NFL countdown, and you know, they don't even have Chris Berman on. I mean, what what the hell? <laughs> I mean, they don't even have well, the I good mean, guys on. At this point, I mean, who really cares about four people sitting around talking about the game that's about to happen, you know? Especially at, what, like, 5 o'clock? The game's like two yeah. hours away? Yeah. Let like, the game finish. Hey, they're the ones that scheduled the stuff. ESPN scheduled it. I mean. It, it just goes to show you that ESPN puts no stock into college football, and they love that NFL yeah. so much more. And, and it's ridiculous. It's downright ridiculous because college football is way better than NFL, and we all know it. There's not there, You can't argue it. It's just better. Hey, let me ask you this. Had that been an SEC team, would they have done that? Oh, hell no. No, I don't think so either. I think they did it. I think they shit on the group of five teams just because they're a group of exactly. five. But if had that been an SEC team, oh nobody team, cares about the group of five teams. Yeah. 
But had that been an SEC team, there's zero chance. Even in a 77 nothing blowout, they would have they would have done that. They would have left that game right there. Can I just make one last comment on it? Sure. Uh, boy, those UCF players have really become dirtbags since Scott Frost left. Man, they were in fist fights in this game and just back and forth. They looked like trash in some of the things they were doing in this game. I was surprised. I don't remember seeing them doing that under Frost. Well, I recorded the game, uh, so I can't see it. You may not see it because... (laughs) I won't see it (laughs) because I don't record on ESPN2. Hey, last call to me, and my last call is going to go out to Nebraska ball. Here we are a week after praising Husker Hoops uh, for what they have done in the Big Ten. And I said it last week, man. I said it. I said Nebraska, their schedule is very favorable over their next two games. Where they can emerge and come out seven and six before headed back into Big Ten play in the off season, and what do they do? They drop a turd at home against North Dakota. They're all seventy five to seventy four. What the hell? I mean, this this is just this is crazy. Talk about a roller coaster of ups and downs following Husker hoops. It really is. What do you think of that game, Derek? You know, it was the same garbage you see every week. I, I said this last week. I, I was not with you and Brandon Kavanaugh last week. I, I disagree with you. Uh, I, I Well, I didn't totally disagree with you. I thought North Dakota, that should be a game you should be able to win. Uh, however, I, I was not quite as optimistic as you guys were. But, you know, when you're th- shooting 56% on free throws, it's hard to win games. And they continue to do this every week. They can't make free throws. They did out-rebound them finally, which, great. But I, I just, a lot of the stats on here make it look like Nebraska should have probably won this game outside of, like, free throw percentage. Yeah. But other than that, it looked like, but from everything I heard, because this game was only on TV, I didn't get a chance to actually watch it. But from everything I heard, it really sounded like, North Dakota wanted the game more. North North Dakota played a more solid game. Nebraska just looked uh, uh, disinterested in the game. Uh, they didn't, weren't playing well as a team. Uh, I he old Hoiberg, he's got a hell of a thing to fix here, and I think he's kind of in the same boat Scott Frost has been in the last two years. And I think people are going to have to understand it's going to take him probably three or four years to get this thing turned around as well. Yeah. It's a shame. It's sad. You know, anytime that uh, the hopes of Husker Nation get up a little bit, something like this always brings us back down. And it's like kicking the balls, man. Huge well, I mean, we're, balls. we're saying the same things about the basketball team that we said about the, the football team. You know, it was a moral victory because we took in, took Indiana into overtime and that dang, we scored 90 points on them. Yeah. You know, it's a, that's a it's a moral victory. You know, we've been saying this for two. We've been saying this for two years under Scott Frost as well. It's a moral victory. We we didn't lose by much, man. We were right in it. Uh, at some point, men's athletics has got to turn around because women's athletics can't hold us forever. As you've seen, the volleyball team get knocked out of the playoffs a little earlier than we I think we all expected. Well, that's the frustrating thing. It seems like the men's athletics have just been in the dumpster for so darn long. You know, well, even, even women's basketball right now are kind of they're winning some big games. Yeah, it's it's so. sad. 
Hopefully we turn it around. I, we will. I, I have faith in both these coaches. I think we will turn it around. It's just going to take a little more time, and I, I, we're just going to have to be patient. And I hate that word because I'm not a patient person. And so for me to preach patience to people is uh, very, very, very tough for me to do. Yeah. But but at the end of the day, that's just what it's going to take. And we're going to be pissed for a few years, and hopefully after that we'll see some turnarounds. few years? Come on, man. <laughs> Oh, well, if it is, I mean, we ain't going anywhere. We're going to be sitting here still talking about it. So we're not going anywhere. Uh, But we are leaving right now. Great episode tonight. We'll be back next week. It was a fun time. Yeah. Tyler, hurry up and get back. Yeah, hurry up. We we need you to, uh, we need your bullshit comments out here. A special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook, look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and now BigHeadsMedia.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. On behalf of Derek, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. See you then. And as always, go Big Red. (laughs) 